0: The morning. Good morning everyone. Uh, bienvenue à l'église d'Orangeville. Uh, welcome to Orangeville Baptist Church. Uh, je suis très content d'être ici avec vous. Uh, he's very happy to be with you. Uh, le, pour les le peuples qui êtres ici uh, jusqu'à depuis uh, uh, for the people here that um, have arrived since like 2016, uh, Bonjour pour la première fois. Uh, hello for the first time. <laughs> um, you know, they speak English and you speak English, so I think you should just take this. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you. Um, It's been an incredible year. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, We've been on furlough since November of last year, and we were supposed to be here uh, presenting many, many, many months ago. The Lord had a different plan. And uh, so our our 2020 furlough looked a little different than we anticipated it would look. Um, But... uh, as God has granted uh, we have one final stop on our on our furlough and that's here so it's kind of kind of fitting that we we end our furlough with with our own sending church um, wanted to uh, try to give you just a, a brief update as to some things that have gone on at the village of light uh, we, I know we've been here a couple of times in the last few years uh, since we uh, first arrived on the field and have uh, given some updates so I've Condense down our normal presentation that we do at most churches uh, to uh, just a few minutes here, and then have a message from the Word of God that I want to share that's actually something from our time in Togo. Um, so, that it? Okay. Doesn't show back there at all for me? No. Okay. Well, if I keep turning around, bear with me. Um, so, For those of you that are not familiar with our ministry, uh, Christy and I serve as administrators at the Village of Light School for the Blind in Togo. And uh, that's in West Africa. Um, And as you noticed probably uh, from our little skit there at the beginning, uh, we speak French there. Uh, That is the business language in Togo. There are 42 different tribal languages. So the reason they have French as their base is to bring some unity to everything. Uh, at the village of light we do everything in French uh, because we will have students from various uh, tribes that uh, that come to our school and uh, and when they first come to the school most of them do not know French at all so they come and learn French they also learn uh, Braille I'll explain that in a moment here um, this is just a just a, kind of a picture you can see of us with with our students, which reminds me, uh, back on the gray table back there next to the chimney, uh, we have uh, some fresh updated prayer cards for the first time in several years. Uh, we have some brochures that talk about the Village of Light, and then we have a few magnets back there. I don't know if there's still any left, but the magnet picture is that. So that's what reminded me. Um, anyway. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, we do teach our students to read and to write in French Braille. Um, And so imagine with me uh, you sending off your kindergarten student for the first time. If you have, uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent of a five or six-year-old and you're sending them off to school for the first time, send them to kindergarten, now you're going to send them away for nine months because they're going away to a boarding school. In addition to that, you're going to tell them now, over the next nine months, you're going to learn three new languages. You're going to learn, first of all, to learn to speak in French. Then you're going to learn to read and to write in braille. And essentially you're learning two languages doing so. Because when you write braille, you write from right to left. So that when you turn it over to read it, you can read it left to right. And so, Imagine sending an American kindergarten student off and telling them to learn three languages in the next school year. Oh, by the way, you're not going to be at home for the next several months. So that's the ministry that we have. Our school goes from kindergarten through sixth grade. Uh, We also have a two-year workshop program. I'll explain that in a moment, I think. I have a picture for that. Um, But... The learning to read and write in Braille is so important for our students because it becomes the only way that they can uh, learn to read and write. Uh, Most of our students are completely blind. We do have a few that have some limited sight, uh, but most of them are are completely blind. They're they're blind from a variety of causes. Um, Some are blind uh, from birth. Some become blind from uh, diseases that are passed on by mosquitoes. Uh, One of our more recent students from the past couple of years um, was crawling around in the brush uh, near his home and a spitting cobra spit in his face. And uh, so now he's one of our students. And uh, I don't think I have a, a picture of him, but... The reason it's so important to be able to learn to read and write braille and our students begin to really treasure That ability is, imagine if that was your New Testament. That's a single French Braille New Testament. There's a picture of a Bible sitting next to it to give you a little bit of reference. Uh, Our students treasure the Word of God. Most of our students come to us never having heard who Jesus Christ is. And it is our goal over the time that they are with us that not only do they learn who He is, but they come to know Him personally as their Savior. And most of our students, by the time they leave after sixth grade, have done that. Um, I mentioned also we have a two year workshop program, which is a um, similar to like SHOP or um, uh, Christy, what's the? Yeah. Hmm? No, the, the English equivalent. <laughs> I, I forget. Yeah, it's like a, vo- tech, or a vocational school. Um, we, we basically teach them to, uh, to start a business, and at the end of their time when they graduate, we set them up with all the materials they need to start that business, and they can then take care of themselves. Because we, our society in Togo despises the blind. They consider them as, cur- as a curse. They are outcast and considered worthless. And so we, uh, we seek to show them that they are not, and that they are treasured by Christ. Oh, I went too far. Um, So some of the responsibilities that we have at the school, uh, Christy teaches a uh, -a once-a-week Bible study with the girl students. Um, She had uh, some fantastic success with that uh, early on. Um, uh, She had girls, as you can see in the picture, ranging in age from very young to very old. And... um, and so she was trying to figure out, how do I, how do I pull uh, a Bible study together for, for girls of such a variety of ages? And she decided to kind of focus on the older girls because we wouldn't have them with us as long. And so uh, several weeks into her, her session, she uh, did an actual full gospel presentation, and five of the girls accepted Christ on that, uh, that evening. Uh, so we were just excited as, as, to, as to what God was doing with that. Uh, Christy also helps out in aquaponics. She's the natural Michigan fisherman, and uh, so she loves that part of our ministry. Our aquaponics is uh, a greenhouse structure with uh, uh, eight tanks of fish. We grow tilapia, uh, and then we have nine raceways of vegetables. They're raised on the water. Uh, The vegetables provide oxygen to the fish. The fish provide waste for the plants, and it's it's just a constant running ecosystem. Uh, we are so thankful that we have somebody coming uh, that's taking that ministry off of our hands for us. Um, it's, it's too much to be able to run the school and to run that, um, that part of the ministry. So we have somebody that is coming. Um, if I haven't already shared that story with you, uh, come and see me because there's quite an incredible story that goes along with that, and I just unfortunately don't have time to, to talk about that this morning. But um, again some more shots of the aquaponics. Uh, Every Monday morning, I uh, preach a sermon to the staff at the Village of Light, and uh, it's probably my single favorite uh, aspect of the ministry that I do there, uh, that I get to uh, be able to to share the Word of God. And what we have seen happening uh, over the last three years uh, with our staff has just been amazing. Absolutely incredible, and the message I'm going to share this morning is going to reflect that. It's a message that I shared with them, um, and it was something God used tremendously in the lives of our 28 staff members. Um, and We also run a gift shop uh, on, on campus where we sell various items that I go around the country looking for things made by local artisans. Uh, and then we resell them at a profit so that we have some funds to take care of some of the costs at the school. Now, that does by no means cover all of our costs there, so we continue to seek uh, support from our churches here in the States to, uh, to help us with that. Um, and then one other responsibility that I have, and I have to show this picture everywhere I go because you can't be a missionary in Africa without a snake picture... And um, so I have this particular part of a ministry that I hand a can of pop to any of my staff members that come and bring me a dead one of those. And it's happy, I am very happy to have that expense out of my pocket uh, because they bring me, I, there's not a week that goes by that I don't have to pay out. Uh, and there are some days where I pay out multiples. So they're always excited to bring me snakes. Now the rest of what I want to talk about is, all I can chalk it up to is the glory of God. Uh, Seeing what God has done, uh, and as I said, uh, over the last couple of years I've been here a couple different times uh, as we've been back in the States for limited periods of time, and and talked about some some just miraculous things that God has done. uh, When we needed funds to uh, replace mattresses and beds at the Village of Light, God answered like that. It was incredible. When we needed to replace the roof over the girls' dorm, God acted right now. And when we needed to put brand new roads in on campus because the ch- the, the children were not seeing where they were walking, slipping in mud, uh, God answered and provided 50 truckloads of laterite for us. But last year, we had probably the most devastating event during our first term there, and that was our our school kitchen caught on fire in the middle of the night. Uh, About five o'clock in the morning, Christy and I were awoken uh, by one of our uh, staff members uh, screaming outside of my bedroom window, Mr. Moore, Mr. Moore, come, the kitchen is on fire. And so we went and in Togo, there's no fire department. In Togo, uh, there are no fire trucks, there are no fire hoses, (laughs) we have buckets and we have a well. And that is how we put out the building fire. And you can see some of the the results of that. Now my staff was absolutely devastated the morning that this had occurred. And I I went and spoke with them uh, right after we had the fire put out um, as school was getting ready to start that morning. And um, I shared with them, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. I said, think of all these other times where we have needed something, where we needed new mattresses, we needed new roads, we needed a new roof for the, the girl's dorm, we needed, and I listed off a whole series of things that had happened beyond that. I said, what happened every single one of those times? God provided. I said, there's no reason for us to think He won't provide again. And so I got, because it was an entire building we had to replace, I got our, our, uh, staff at ABWE headquarters uh, involved. They have a project office team that comes out and will build buildings for us and and do different things. But because I got them involved and because we were going to be looking at building a new building, they had to be to American building codes and building standards instead of the Togolese building codes, which are non-existent, um, which unfortunately drives the cost of the project up. And the total cost of this project was going to be about $30,000. We said, well, this is more than we have ever sought before. But we knew God would provide, and he did in amazing, amazing ways. Actually, part of how he provided, I'm going to share when I share the message here in a few minutes. But I have a short video that I want you to be able to see. This kind of takes you through the process of rebuilding that building. Uh, It involves me speaking uh, to people that were gathered six months to the day after the uh, fire had occurred and as we were dedicating the brand-new building just days before the start of the school year. So it should... I have one more very recent exciting story to share Uh, while we've been home on furlough. We've been wanting to raise funds to buy a new van at the center because this picture here is what our staff members affectionately call the new van that we purchased in 1992 and have been using faithfully since. Well, it was time to to be replacing it. We knew we needed to do so, but it just wasn't an urgent matter. Uh, So we had other urgent matters that we were taking care of for the last several years that we've been there. But while we've been home, the Togolese government had had this uh, brainstorm. They said, we want people to bring in brand new vehicles for these fantastically wonderful roads that we have in this country. That's a little bit facetious. Um, And to do so, we're going to offer an incentive. Normally it costs us about 60% for a customs duty. So 60% of the value of of an item that we bring into the country, we have to then pay as a tax. And so imagine a $30,000 vehicle, and paying an additional 60% on top of that, just to bring it in. Well, that was what we were faced with. So we knew it was going to take us a while to raise the funds for this. They decided, the Togolese government said, for a very limited time, we will offer to take away that 60% tax and we will only charge 5%. So it meant about $20,000 difference to us. And so we started calculating. We looked at the cost of the new vehicle, what it would cost to import it, and paying the different people involved. And We needed about $35,000. And we said, oh, we also only have about a window of a week to two weeks to get this done. Well, you know what? God has provided all these other times. Why would we think he wouldn't do it again? Let's try it. So we started a campaign on Facebook. The day... We did so. We were up. Christy and I were up in the UP. It was the end of August, and uh, visiting some of our churches up there. And during the day, we had gone on a hike. And as I was coming off the hike, I get a phone call from my uh, my regional director, and he says, um, "I have somebody who has saw your who saw your plea and would like to donate to the van. She would like to give you fifteen thousand dollars toward it." in addition to that she would like to offer $10,000 as a matching gift opportunity so if you can raise the other 10,000 to match that in the window of time that you've got she'll provide all of these funds wow and so 2 weeks to the day after that the other 10,000 had come in God had provided every single thing we needed And this is what we get to get. Again, all for the glory of God. I can't even begin to explain to you how amazing it is to watch God work. Because things that we think of as mountains aren't even a bump in the road to him. So now, help. How can you help us? We've had another very generous gift that's been given to us. We have been granted all the solar panels we need to run the electrical system in our aquaponics. It was a gift to the, the new couple that's coming to take over aquaponics. They need about 30 panels for that. This pe- the, the people that donated them said, well, oh, I've got 60. The other 30 will run the school but we need about $15,000 to buy the equipment and batteries to set the system up. So this is not nearly quite as earth-shatteringly urgent as the van was where we had two weeks to raise the money. Here we've got until about next summer. So we're just putting that out there that you would be thinking and praying about how you how might be able to help. Um, but we're beginning kind of that campaign to, to start raising funds to install this incredibly new system. It costs us $12,000 a year to run the electricity. Uh, that's just for the school. The aquaponics is separate from that and that's another five or 600 every month. So This is an incredible savings to us. A one-time uh, fee of about 15,000 will cut almost all of our electrical costs out, so. Be praying with us that that could that could uh, occur. Uh, in addition to that, we uh, again our brochures here would talk talk about. It. If you take a take a brochure this morning, um, it takes us it costs about eight thousand dollars every year to feed our students three meals a day, seven days a week, which is two more meals than most of them get uh, every day uh, at home. In some cases, it's three more meals a day than they get. Um, Some of our students come from homes and backgrounds that would just make you cry. Uh, Some of these students come from homes where they are locked in a room and never allowed out. And sometimes the family will slip a meal under the door. So anything that we can do to to bring in income for uh, taking care of of those food costs is is greatly appreciated as well. Uh, Our teachers, um, here we see them Assembling textbooks themselves because guess what, we don't have textbook companies in Togo. We have to create our own braille textbooks for every student and this is what they do at the beginning of each school year. They're probably starting on that uh, this week as a matter of fact. School is scheduled to start in a week and a half in Togo. Uh, So our our salaries to to pay my staff for the year come to about $27,000 every year. That's 28 staff members. Do that math. And again, thank you for uh, just being an incredible sending church. Thank you for uh, praying with us and for us. Uh, and thank you for the continued support that you continue to give to Christy and I to make it possible to be there. Uh, we do not consider that we are there on our own, every single one of you is right there with us. Um, and so, again, Thank you for all of that. Now, this morning, I do want to uh, share briefly. Uh, actually, it's it's um, I, I've shared a message here before on this uh, passage, and I know that uh, just a couple of months ago, Andrew did the same thing. Uh, so maybe by today, you'll you'll have the passage in your system. So, um, but it's a passage that is it was so crucial to our staff, so important. Um, When we first got there in 2017, um, we decided each school year we would have a theme for the school. And so that first school year that we were there, uh, I, I told the staff, I want us to have a theme of thankfulness. I want us to be thankful in everything we do, every action that's going on, any interaction we have with other people, I want us to always maintain an air of thankfulness. And we found that year, we had many, many things to become thankful for. Uh, We had gifts that started pouring in that we had never seen before from organizations within Togo. People would come and they wanted to just give gifts of food for our students, or clothing, or material to make clothing, or sometimes even money. And then at the end of that school year, um, at the end of each school year, every sixth grader in the nation of Togo must take an exam in order to pass, to move on to go any, on to anything else, uh, and in order to get their sixth grade degree. They have a sixth grade, a 10th grade, a 12th grade, and a 13th grade. Every one of those has a test at the end of the year that's a government-mandated exam. Well, one of our students, had the highest score that year, and the, the the minister of education for Togo actually spoke to my school principal and asked him, "What are you guys doing differently? How does, how is that possible? What's happening there?" He says, "We're thankful. You got to share. Got to share." Uh, He was actually able to share the Word of God with him over it. What an incredible opportunity. So the second year, I said, all right, I I don't want us to lose this aspect of thankfulness, but I want us to take another step further. And so I challenged our staff, this year I want our theme to be a little higher, a little further. And by that I mean put just that little extra effort into whatever it is your job function is, put that little extra effort into it. And we saw leaps and bounds of growth in the entire staff at the Village of Light. And part of that um, occurred through the pictures I was showing you earlier with the kitchen fire. Uh, That kitchen fire occurred in the middle of that school year. Now, from January through April of 2019, I was preaching through a series uh, on 2 Peter, and um, basically over that four months, I made it through the first eight verses. Um, so, hopefully you guys don't have any dinner plans. Um, but God used that, that, those first eight verses of, of Second Peter as a a tremendous growing tool in each of the lives of my, the, the staff at the Village of Light. So I want to read to you just verses 5 through 8 for, for today. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as we look at the beginning of that that passage, it starts right off with the words, for this very reason. Well, obviously, that relates back to verses prior to that. If we looked at verses 3 and 4, we see it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. So, this, for this very reason, refers back to the precious and uh, very great promises that allow us to be partakers of the divine nature. What's that phrase mean? "partakers of the divine nature? Well, it's a sermon in all in itself. We won't go there today, but just to, in a nutshell, um, the divine nature talking about God's attributes, in particular His holiness. If we were to look back in 1 Peter, Chapter 1. Peter writes both of his letters, we believe, to the same churches. It was a circuit letter that went to several different churches. And so what he wrote in 1 Peter has great impact on what he ends up writing in 2 Peter. So if we look in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 13, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, In fact, to, to, to be holy is to be set apart. In essence, the, the exact opposite of what we see back here in Second Peter in, uh, in, in this uh, verse 4, at the end of verse 4, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. See, as believers, we become new creations and we are to daily seek to be more like Christ that's to be partakers of the divine nature. Well, back to verse 5. It says, for this very reason, then, make every effort, or some translations read, applying all diligence. Another, Another way we could look at that is, with all of your energy, or in all earnestness, devote all of your attention to. Peter's saying, what I'm about to tell you is so critical You've got to give this all of your attention. This needs to be your focus. So he says, make every effort to supplement. We could look at that as to supply or to augment or to fortify, enrich, or strengthen. Well, strengthen or enrich what? Strengthen your faith. Supplement your faith with virtue. And so we start with this list of seven characteristics that, that we are to display as believers, seven characteristics to live a life that is godly. And this, the list begins with virtue. Now, I spent a great deal of time going through the actual list uh, with the staff. And, and as we worked through each one of these, uh, we, we, we talked about specifically what it meant to be a person that displays this characteristic. And with, with virtue, uh, another, other words we could look at that, that uh, some translations uh, of Scripture in, uh, use uh, in, in place of virtue, some will say goodness or moral excellence. What we can take from that is worthiness or specifically wholehearted devotion. The person that displays virtue is somebody that gives above and beyond their ability. It's somebody who is willing to give sacrificially of their time, of their treasure, of their talents, of their abilities. This is somebody who seeks to please God in every aspect of their lives. Somebody that glorifies God in everything they do. So I challenged my staff, is this you? So I offer the same challenge to us here today. Can this be said of each one of us in this room? Can each one, if we were to be in front of some other folks outside of the church, would they be able to say of us, those are people of virtue. Well, then he says to supplement, then, your virtue with knowledge. And that knowledge essentially is a personal knowledge of the Savior. Uh, and very specifically, uh, it's the ability to discern the will of God. Christ himself speaks of this in John chapter 7, starting in verse 14. This deals with the time that Jesus and his disciples are about to enter uh, one of the feasts uh, on the Jewish calendar. And starting in verse 14, it says, About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but it's his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking of my own authority. It's the ability to discern the will of God. Well, then Peter goes on and says that we need to supplement our knowledge with self-control. Another word we can use there is self-discipline or withholding something from oneself. Probably the best passage that we can go to to look at for that would be uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 starting in verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. The self-discipline of the athlete. Now, we're in Michigan. We know this. We understand that we can appreciate Athletes with self-discipline. I mean, we have the Detroit Tigers. Okay, bad example. We have the Lions. Okay, we have the Pistons. How about Red Wings? All right, in Michigan, we don't have any idea what it means to have athletes with self-discipline. So, scratch that example. But just as, 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 as Paul's example of an athlete having self-discipline to prepare himself for the race before him or for the, for the athletic contest before him, we are to train ourselves to have self-control, self-discipline, and to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. For Christy and I, that's to serve in Togo, serving at a school for blind children. That's not everybody. But that's what God's called us to do, and that's what he has given us, the the command to have self-control, to be able to handle that. Now, self-control is also going to play a very important part in this next uh, characteristic that Peter talks about, which is steadfastness. He says to supplement your self-control with steadfastness. Another word we could use there is perseverance or endurance. See, self-control is a key component in making it possible to show steadfastness. If we were to look through all the passages in the New Testament that deal with this particular word, we would find that in almost every instance, it deals with steadfastness or endurance, perseverance in time of trial and very specifically in persecution. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 is one of the, the best examples of that. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Peter includes that in this list to prepare us as believers for the persecution that's sure to come. I don't think you have to look very far today to see that there is persecution coming to the church in the very near future. Uh, The warning signs are abounding around us. Peter then says we are to supplement our steadfastness with godliness, which is essentially a reverence toward God, maintaining a life of God-likeness. The person that displays this is somebody who has a right relationship with both God and people. This is somebody who looks beyond the pettiness of life. Somebody who seeks to do the will of God and make decisions that are noble. Somebody that, that makes these decisions even though they may be difficult and may involve persecution. This is a person who will do what is right simply because it is right. And they are seeking to fulfill the will of God. A person that displays godliness is somebody that places their full trust and dependence upon God. A good example of this is found in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul writes to Timothy saying, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the very present life and also for the life to come. So, training ourselves for godliness is not just for this life here, but for eternity. Well, these first five characteristics all deal with man's relationship vertically, our relationship with God. The final two in the list deal more with our relationship with one another, man's relationship to other people. Very specifically, two uh, distinct groups are referred to here, believers and non-believers. As we look at verse 7, we're to supplement our godliness then with brotherly affection, which is essentially a love for fellow believers. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Verse 20. 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. It's pretty strong words. We live in a very interesting culture today. You know, when I was growing up, and not even that long ago, I could have a difference of opinion with somebody and we could still be friends. I don't know what's changed but somehow, somehow today, that's not the case. If you don't share my viewpoint, we have nothing to do with each other. It's sad. It is so sad. Romans 12 shows us what brotherly affection looks like. If we look at Romans 12. Starting in verse 9, it says, let love be genuine. Again, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Paul says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. He doesn't say, eh, maybe dislike it a little bit. That's abhor. That's a strong word. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I'll tell you, Facebook posts that I see, don't show that at all. There's no showing honor. It's, it's all criticized. Let's criticize somebody that disagrees with me. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. There's our persecution again. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now keep your place there. We're going to come back to this passage. So we have... This, this love between each other as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ because of the common bond that we have in Christ. This brotherly affection that's referred to here is if we were to go through and do a study throughout the New Testament, again, of all the one another passages, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about our relationship to one another as believers in Christ and how we are to treat each other Well, then the rest of verse 7 then says that we are to then supplement our brotherly affection with love. Peter ends the list with love. This is a different love than the brotherly affection listed above. Uh, in the New Testament, we have several different Greek words that are used to display love. Uh, we have brotherly affection, essentially, is where we get the word Philadelphia from. The love that's talked about here is an agape love. It's the same love that Jesus Christ displayed to the world when he died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And this is the same love we are to show. It's different than the brotherly affection because we love brothers and sisters in Christ because of the likeness that we share. This love is to be toward the rest of the world despite the differences we have. Imagine actually loving somebody with a different political opinion than you. As I said, in 2020, that doesn't seem to be very common. Well, Back to our Romans 12 passage, the next two verses say, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. What part of that is, what part of that says, criticize them for having a different political opinion than you? It's not what it says. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Those that seek to persecute us, those that seek our destruction, those that are absolutely opposed to the beliefs that we may hold dear are the ones that God calls us to love. Probably the hardest number in that whole list is the love. Then we come to verse 8. In our verse here in 2 Peter says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I shared with you that I, I spent four months going through these first eight verses. It's kind of a lie. I told a little white lie there, so you'll have to forgive me because I never preached verse eight. The last week of April of 2019, um, that last Monday, I was scheduled to preach verse eight to the staff and because the next day Christy and I were flying out to come home for Austin's college graduation. And so I wanted to get this passage wrapped up and and, and you know kind of put to bed because by the time we were coming back to the school school would be done and I wouldn't be having our Monday morning devotions that we do. And so I had already planned through you know, how I was gonna present that, that verse. And the Friday before that, the entire staff had gotten together to have a meeting. They do this a couple times a year, just talking about the status of the school, what they wanna do differently, what they'd like to see done differently. And after the meeting was done, a couple of representatives came to my door and said, we had a meeting this morning. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. And they handed me a sheet of paper and it listed all of the points that they had discussed. And I'm reading through it. And of course it's in French and you know, I get down to a a point on the paper that talks about an envelope and I didn't understand what was there. I said, excuse excuse my limited ability in French, but I'm not understanding this bit about the envelope. And the two look at each other and they hand it to me. Hand me an envelope. I said, what's this? Well, we got together We've been listening to what you've been preaching to us all these weeks and months and how important it is to have virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And so we took up a collection and we want this to go to rebuilding the kitchen. Now, by American standards, there wasn't a lot of money in that envelope, about a couple hundred dollars, roughly. But I know what each one of those employees makes. I sign their paychecks. I make out their paychecks. And I guarantee you, several of them went without food. I don't know for how long. And by, just by the very nature of it, their families did the same. And so I took that, and, and I ended up doing something very special uh, in, in the building construction that I dedicated. At the day of dedicating the building, I dedicated a couple of uh, serving carts that the cuisine ladies were able to use to serve the students now, instead of carrying plate by plate by plate. So I had a couple of carts constructed, and I shared that, and the staff was just absolutely thrilled with it when we, when we displayed that to them. But. <clears throat> I spent that weekend just pondering that gift. And I said, so it came time to Monday morning. <clears throat> excuse me. It came time for Monday morning and, uh, for me to preach the, my, my sermon. And I stood before the staff and I said, "I know you're expecting for me to, to preach verse eight to you today." I said, "I can't do it. Because you already preached it to me?" You showed me virtue. You showed me what it means to give sacrificially. You showed me your knowledge of the Savior. You showed me self-control, far more than most of us as Americans would be able to show. You showed me steadfastness and persevering through this trial. You showed me godliness, what it means to have a reverence for God and you showed me brotherly affection, but ultimately you showed me love toward our students who do not know the Lord. I said, what more is there to say? If we look at verse 9 in addition, there's a big warning here. Verse 8 tells us if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. But verse 9 says whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That's a strong warning to us as believers. If we're not working on these seven characteristics and making sure that these are fully displayed for the unbelieving world around us, we are doing a great disservice to our Lord. To the point that Peter says, we're so nearsighted that we're blind. So my challenge to us as a church, where are you at on, on these seven characteristics? I want to challenge you to strengthen each and every one of those. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day that you've given I thank you for who you are. I thank you, ultimately, Lord, for sending your Son. Lord, I pray for each one of us here today that we would be displaying these seven characteristics in our lives and that the unbelieving world around us would see them just pouring out of us. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.